0: Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome to episode 141 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm David. I'm Diana. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. We have much to go over in this podcast. It's been a little while since we've done one, but we're glad we're back. Diana, how are you?
1: excited to gab there is a lot to talk about a lot of uh great sci-fi nerd geek stuff so this will be fun
0: there's a lot happening right now
1: yeah how are you doing david
0: i am well i am uh uh, teaching right now at uh at paypal i have a series of students who are being upskilled. They're basically learning how to talk on the phones, and and uh, I'm uh, I'm helping them on the production floor. I'm am te- I'm, I'm working with them and teaching with them. I'm doing that through um, July. Rumor is I may be extended out to September or possibly further. So wow, a lot of things are happening that way. How about you? You are you have got a full plate. Tell us what's going on.
1: I do well. You know, I was just going to say to you, the teaching experience is a pretty uh, rewarding. I, it's rewarding. It's exasperating. It's uh, emo- an emotional roller coaster. I think every human being on the planet should, at some point in their lives, spend at least a year of their life teaching something, whether it is in a professional setting, like you're doing, or in a some sort of academia, as I've been doing. You know, even when I was uh, when I was a producer or, mm-hmm. and a visual, I always felt that. It was my responsibility to pay it forward and to Mm -hmm. teach to get the next generation ready. So it's been a very emotional week with um, a lot of my students uh, going out of their way to uh, ensure they got last rounds with me, so to speak. Uh, Mm. You know, after workshops, uh, asking me to stay and have dinner with them, drinks with them. I have been showered with some extraordinary gifts Uh, absolutely extraordinary gifts of gratitude uh, and very geeky, wonderfully geeky things like this gorgeous uh, limited Star Trek lithograph that is an artist rendering of the Enterprise and a, uh, right by a uh, solar flare that's so stunning, I'm spending the money to have it framed and another student, yeah, and and that was a, a wonderful student who gave that to me he was an incredibly talented writer which Enterprise? it's the latest and greatest JJ J. Abrams enterprise Got but it. it looks a little voyager-esque to me hmm. now that i think about it i mean it's at the framing shop right now but now that i'm thinking about it you know it's a little rounder in certain areas so but it's stunning it's beautiful and uh, i had another student a graduate student who gave me this awesome beautifully handmade beautiful um R2D2 uh, coffee mug with a lid that when you lift the lid it makes R2 sounds my, kids re- <laughs> my students really know me they really know what a geek I am and then a, a very large group of them from Epilogue uh, they had a surprise party for me which was incredibly humbling that they did that and they got me this really cool levitating globe Um, you know an earth globe mm-hmm. and- is it's it like-
0: still like a little acrylic display because I've seen those
1: yes uh, well it's pretty big i mean it's a it's like uh the size of a uh basketball wow um, That's yeah cool. and well but the scary thing about it is that uh you know in Antarctica is in full display happily enough, but um there is no north polar cap on this globe, so I demanded to know from the gr- the group uh who had gone into the future to get the globe, but nobody would own. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, since you know it's now been officially announced, we're at the point of no return, but uh, yeah, so it's you know it's been really neat, and I've got uh quite a few more dinners and lunches ahead in this last week before really saying goodbye to Missouri State. It's wow. been an incredible experience. This is going to be cathartic, it is very cathartic, uh, and but you know, um, and I urge this of everyone you have to change things up every now and then. You have to stay fresh. You have to close a chapter and open a new chapter. You you got to keep growing or, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of pull up. Yes, you stagnate. Exactly. And you uh, will never get to know the potential that you have in your life. And I will never, I mean, I'll never leave these people behind. They'll be in my life, obviously. And, you know, this is where I thank of God course. for social media. But I'm ready. I am ready to continue on. I'm definitely ready for the next chapter. Good. Yep. Ready to be writing more—that's for sure. Good for
0: you. You know, I've been—you know—hearing your input over the past couple of years. You know, where you've you've been and where you've wanted to be, and um, the frustration that you've had. And I'm uh, tremendously excited for you.
1: Thank you very much. I am excited. I I can't tell you how grateful I am for the support. That's for sure.
0: So, let's talk about what everyone has been expecting us to talk about, but we haven't really gotten around to talking about yet because we haven't really done a show recently. Stargate SG1 Unleashed. This yes. is the uh, product put out by Arcalis Interactive. For mobile devices, the um, for various um, phones and uh, iPods and iPads. And iPads. Um, this is episode one of supposedly – I believe it's a three-part piece, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, okay. absolutely. The neat thing is that even within episode one, though, there are chapters, so it's kind of – it's kind of fun how it moves along. It's a lo- I'm so excited to hear you finally got an iPad.
0: I did get an iPad. They practically dragged me kicking and screaming. No, I'm kidding. I finally have a use for one.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's the thing that I always said. You know, I never had a use for one. So I have a I have a media and entertainment center in my living room that, uh, is that networks all the functions through the iPad. So yep. I can control everything in my in in my entertainment center with the iPad. Yep. And uh, I was like, it, it dawned on me after I bought it. You know what? I can finally download and play SG One Unleashed, and yep. it's the it's a mini, which is which is the perfect size for me. I didn't want something big sitting on my coffee table. I wanted something small. And um, the the original thing that I was going to say had we done this uh, podcast, but without me getting the um, the iPad, I would have to have said that one of my bigger issues with just having it on the iPhone is that my fingers are covering covering up at least 20 to 25% of the entertainment by navigating because you use your left your left thumb to generally speaking to navigate or to 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 uh, uh stand up and shoot or duck and then your your uh your right hand is doing a lot of the rest of the activity like looking around or or shooting you know uh a, a weapon at, directly at someone um and it it covers up a lot of the visual when yeah, you're using I can only an Yeah,
1: ima- I can only imagine. I mean, first off, I don't think iPhones were meant for big men. My husband is a big guy and he has a BlackBerry and he hates the touchscreen, so I get it. Um, I never even tried to put it on my iPhone and I have both the iPhone and the iPad. So I just – and I have the big iPad and I love the big iPad. So for me, uh, it's just been a lot of fun. It took me a while – to train myself how to play the game, because I'm not a big gamer like you are. You got it. You understood right away what to do. I was being an idiot because I'm not a huge gamer, but I'm a huge Stargate fan. So I stuck with it. And then uh, a young friend of mine showed me in two seconds what I had been doing wrong. <laughs> as far as aiming and shooting, I kept hitting on the bullets instead of like tr- uh, aiming on what I wanted to hit. And once I understood that, bam, I got through. I, I uh, Jack only died twice. Thank God. I don't think I got uh, Daniel and Jack. I couldn't have handled them continuing to die. I think that would have been too much after a while. And, uh, yeah, I just got on with a sense of wonder, which I would have to say is my biggest round of applause for this game, is that it just goes back to that, that special je ne sais quoi, that... That uh, that sense of wonder that this franchise has been about since day one. It
0: is Stargate. Yes, it absolutely is. I'm gonna eat a little crow for a second here. Maybe you'd like to to join me, um, because I originally when I was hearing about this game uh, and seeing like like when it's when it was set, I thought I heard it was going to be like season eight. I'm like, okay, so it's season eight. Then why doesn't Teal have hair, and why is General Hammond there? And, you know, the the I think you mentioned, like, the styles of the uniforms. And we were like, this is not right. This is not right at all. And then I actually started, you know, really playing it. And I realized it's set after Divide and Conquer. And everything makes sense. In fact, a lot of it, you know, really informs, potentially, seriously informs what comes later with Sekhmet. Because I couldn't understand, why isn't Daniel... He's already met a clone of Sekmet before. Why? Why has? Why isn't he bringing her up in any of this dialogue that I'm hearing, in the trailers and anything else? And it it makes sense that it's possible that the NID got the symbiote from the Russians through what happened in this game. And I was very impressed with how it all makes sense. And actually, you know, I can see I could see this potentially being canon.
1: Yep no I don't have a problem with it being canon I think what I have a problem with and I think a lot of the participants were having a problem with is that the prolog for the game besides the fact that you if you mess it up you have to go all the way back to the beginning and hear, you know, that whole speech thing all over again from Sekhmet. but the beginning is confusing. It's confusing on many many levels and that's probably my my largest criticism. It's confusing visually because you have a pre-season 8 Tilk but you have a post-season 8 Jack. Uh, so although, you know, he definitely Sam looks older. Yeah, Sam is definitely season seven or earlier, but Daniel is wearing modern glasses. So it is it is very confusing. And part of that criticism is that uh, Teal'c's Revenge, which was the previous game that these guys put out, they really did a great job of training you. The tutorial. Oh, it was, the tutorial was excellent because, like I said, I'm not a gamer. I am – I'm one of the older people into Stargate. I'm sorry. Jeez. Okay. I mean, my idea of a great game is me playing three-dimensional chess, you know? Yeah. So uh, this did not have that training going on. But, man, once you get past that and it starts going out into those different – they go in through the gate and it gets to the different levels. The wonderful use of Joel Goldsmith's icon, you know, iconic tunes.
0: Mm-hmm. It's in there. It's actually in there.
1: Absolutely. And you can see Sally Malcolm's – fingerprints all over this thing. Uh, Sally Malcolm is the editor-publisher from Phandomonium, which has published the Stargate novels and really led the way for the Stargate novels with her uh, Cost of Honor, Matter of Honor uh, books at the get-go. The sense of wonder is so strong and it, it is evoked on every level from character to the background settings to the music to the puzzles you have to uh, complete and that's something that Sally set up very early on on with the book. So, plus the yes, there is a little bit of sam and jack in there just enough to make it fun. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah there, this is more than just what we what we said what one person that I was working with at Stargate World said that we were developing at, at the MMO. This is more than just a peekaboo shooter. There are puzzles, there there is banter between the characters and it definitely Feels like it's been taken right out of the show and has be- the great elements of all of them. the The one criticism that I have, and it was a- it was a-, a ridiculous learning curve for me because it- I did it like seven or eight or nine times and would just keep on giving up. Um, would be the the direction when you get into the gate room uh, because you 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 jog to the side at one point and then you're supposed to hit the hit the button directly to kill the Jaffa and I couldn't figure out that I wasn't that that was the idea you were supposed to punch it directly there was no indication as to saying that it wanted me to do that and right. I keep on getting frustrated and closing the program and reopening it and have to watch the opening monologue again and again and again so by the time I'm listening to it seven or eight or nine times my breath is the desert wind I am destruction I am vengeance I'm saying aloud, I am a cliche let's move <laughs> I know. on please I know. There's
1: no skip button exactly. yeah there's sh- there's, there's, no there's skip,
0: skip buttons for everything else and right. and I really hope that you know they hear me here and add you know a skip button to that as well for newer players who have come in and who've gotten stuck earlier on, but the system didn't save their progress, so I'm really hoping that they add that because well here's the credits a possible
1: counter to that, David. I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that the uh main tile credits are maybe like
0: a requirement. Yeah. That's
1: right. That Richard Dean Anderson and Amanda Tapping, yada yada yada, that they're all in there.
0: But there's got to be a way to code it that it plays it first the first time around, and then right. recognizes that it's been opened before, so so as right. to bypass it. I don't know how that works. I don't know. But that aside, the environments are are gorgeous. The yep. the the, um, the shaders in this game are very well done. The edges of all the polys are crisp and and clear. You know everything is really smoothed out, and they've obviously taken a lot of time uh, constructing the environments and putting a lot of um, putting a lot of care into them. the yeah. The color palettes are just gorgeous. It feels really, really well done, and it really makes me you know think that you know wh- where else could we go with this? I mean, I know that everyone you know really wants a return f- to Atlantis. Um, I certainly would love to see the city of Atlantis in this game space, being able to walk around, you know, the Gatrium and everything else. Having said that, I think that <laughs> the fanboy in me, the the, <laughs> the the pipe dream guy, I would love to see uh, Stargate Universe completed in this format. Um, really, in
1: this particular format for Universe. I well, mean, for I Atlantis, mean, it, I get it because Atlantis could almost be like mist, and you could really finally explore the entire city.
0: Yeah, but, but you could you could make that same remark about Destiny as well. Here's the thing: at, at, at Universe was you know cut short, and I've had to like you know uh, lock that away in my heart and bury it really, really deep because you know there was. I want to know where they were going with it, and yeah. I would love to have the cast back. You know, in, in terms of their voices. I know Robert Carlyle is busy with Once Upon a Time, and everyone else is doing their own thing. But I mean, I really think that they could get them back for this, and spend a few episodes in terms of a game space finishing out the story.
1: Um, no, I don't know. I'm not convinced they could get everybody back. I'm going to make a prediction to you that Carlyle is going to get nominated for an Emmy. Uh, I don't. It depends if they run him as supporting versus lead. If you run, they run him as lead, he won't get the Emmy nomination because he'll be against Michael C. Hall and John Hammond and all those guys. But if they run him as supporting, he has a very, very good shot of not only being nominated but even being, you know, winning it. So, uh, as long and short,
0: s- is he's going to cost more?
1: Yes, he'll cost too much. He's, I mean, let me tell you, Once Upon a Time, you get to see Carlisle do stuff, especially this second season, that uh, is really, he is fantastic, and he is a treat to watch. He is an absolute treat to watch, and um, I suspect that the showrunners for Once Upon a Time initially were, were going to barely use him because uh, he wasn't really used that much in the first season, but he's become so integral to the second season. Hmm. And he's such a treat. What a great actor! Well, really.
0: I am happy to hear that. That aside, I'm sure they can find a Scott somewhere who could play on. I'm not talking about Matthew Scott, but a Scottish actor. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah. I mean, regardless of that, I would I would love to see Universe translated into this into this gaming space to finish the story. Would it have the the gaming audience to download it? I don't know. Yeah. Um But I want that story to complete. So.
1: I do too, but i 'd rather have a complete i mean if you can 't get it back in the visual medium as a ser- as a television series or a movie you know with a Kickstarter or something like mm-hmm. that, um, I would like to see uh, the ability for a novel to be i mean could you imagine Brad Wright obviously had in his head how he was going to end it, so how about you know let 's talk him into doing a novelization or Collaborating with some somebody to, to do a novelization. You perhaps? I, you can put me on the short list. I'd be fine <laughs> with that. You know, um, I mean, I have my own ideas on how it probably was going to end, but and I think everybody's got ideas. But it would be amazing to find out from Wright himself. Yeah what he had in mind, really. And you,
0: we've, we've had this particular discussion before, and I, I, and I do want to raise uh, a point that you made last time, which was Stargate Universe has one of its charms was a lot of this, and, and Stargate in general, is, is time for the slower moments. And I think you brought up the point that can you actually do that in a gaming space? Um, there, Some of the best games out there... Uh, and one of the ones that I'm mentioning is uh, thinking specifically in the Half-Life series, to, uh, Half-Life 2 and the and the episodes have extended periods, 5 to 10 to 15 minutes of downtime in between missions where it's pure character development. And mm. the dialogue and the acting and the the way that all these meld with the game space is so good that you're hanging on every word. And I think that this show... Uh, uh, was strong enough, and th- what they've started with these with this game series, if I uh, dare call it a series, is good enough in quality that they could actually pull it off.
1: Well, I mean, the whole beauty of Stargate is that it really is a universe at this point, you know, with m- multiple point lines. Yes, exactly. So um, let's see how it does. I mean, it's got over 7 million likes on iTunes at this point, which is really quite blowing. It is mind-blowing, and we know that the franchise is still very much uh, a great many people still very much care for it. Uh, I mean, you and I are going to be guests making a big be- guest appearance at this uh, sci-fi con in Houston. Do you want to talk about Texas?: that? Well, I mean, what I wanted to bring up was the fact that there's going to be quite a few actors from Stargate, the Stargate franchise that will be there. Uh, Space City Con in Houston, Texas, August second to the fourth, and you're going to have two Atlantis commanders there. Yes, you know both Robert Picardo and Tori Higginson, which I think is just absolutely thrilling. Uh, yes. Jewel State will be there, which is also absolutely thrilling. We're even going to get some guests, John Delancey, who we—he's uh, probably better known as being Q on Star Trek, but clearly.
0: But yeah, but- I, I am still inter- very interested in, in interviewing him, and I think we've already got clearance to interview him uh, about Simmons. You yep. Know? I think that yep. was a—that was a, a great villain who uh, uh, was underused only due, the, due to the fact that he was killed. You know, I think I think that they would—they could have seriously gotten some mileage out of him. John Delancey and Richard Dean Anderson go back a long way and um fantastic actor i have been yep. wanting to meet him for a very long time so i intend to lap that up
1: yeah i mean they, they're bringing in a lot of great people i mean robert picardo obviously he's got two franchises that he's he been is a involved gem in. He is, have yes. you met him no i have not he's but such I a gem. Met tim russ who will also be there from star trek um, i
0: you need to introduce us
1: Wonderful human being. Walter Koenig, the original Chekhov, is going to be there. J.G. Hertzler, who played one of my favorite characters from the Star Trek franchise, Martok, from Deep Space Nine. I'm absolutely thrilled about that.
0: And he'll be thrilled to meet you, too.
1: Yes, exactly. So, I mean, the list goes on and on. So it's just going to be, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And there's other, uh, there's a lot of other. Oh, Denise Crosby. Is going. Denise Crosby's going. Yes, she's going to be there. I worked with her on a pilot, actually, uh, so I don't. It'll be interesting to see if she remembers me. But uh, yep, she's going to be there. Tashi Yar.
0: I'll be darned.
1: There, uh, and there they've got people coming from Sandel Bergman, who played Valeria. From Conan will be there. Gil Gerard, Gerard rather Buck Rogers. Uh, Believe it or not the uh Power Rangers are going to be- I was
0: going to say please you must bring up the Power Rangers. I cannot wait to meet Jason.
1: <laughs> okay, I won't hold that against
0: you. <laughs> Thank you. I was a kid. All right. You know, I mean that's J- Jason Jason David Frank, you know, he's uh he was my idol when I was growing up.
1: Whoa, excuse me. Here's some really big late news for Stargate fans. Alexis Cruz is going to be there at Space City Con at Houston, Texas on August 2nd to the 4th. When was this announced? Scara. I'm looking on the guest page. Scara will be there. And for me, that's particularly exciting because, as you know, he's in the drift. So, wow. Wow. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be hosting quite a few panels with uh, Stargate folks, opportunities for people in the room to ask questions that podcast listeners will then be able to go on and do. I'm going to be hosting a panel with the ladies talking about women in sci-fi and fantasy, which I'm hoping will be quite insightful. Hmm. This is going to be a lot of fun. A lot of great authors, too. That's also been just shocking me. Um Let's see. Elizabeth Bear is going to be there, uh, and I think I saw that Jim Butcher was going to be there. Yep, Jim Butcher is going to be there. So yeah, this is gonna be this is gonna be fun. I
0: think it's gonna be a great time, and tickets are still available, right?
1: Tickets are very available, and I really would love us to do some sort of Gateworld uh, meetup, and that's something that I think in maybe one of our next podcasts we can start putting that together and. Seeing any folks that are in the Houston area that are coming to visit uh, for the con, that maybe we could do some little meet-up with them. That would be cool. Yep, indeed. But yeah, you know, media, I mean, like, it's just a con in a sense, a convention. Um, Just It's a a way to extend the experience and how much we love a particular franchise, just like Stargate SG-1 Unleashed is doing that. And a subject that you and I have been talking a lot about is transmedia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, in a sense, you know, even though it can be, I mean, is reality a medium? Well, in a way it could be, yeah. So The world's uh, a stage. Yeah, it's the stage. It's people talking. It's people interacting. I mean, transmedia, just for our listeners, uh, is basically it's when a story, the experience of a story takes place across several different types of mediums. And it can be anything. It can be books. It can be comic books, graphic novels. It can be uh, board games. It can be uh, web series, television series, film, uh I mean what am I leaving out, David?
0: I think I think you pretty much got it covered. And I I want to clarify here cuz I think the the question's going to be raised, you know, transmedia in in a more general form has been around for a very long time. I mean, you can go back to you any number of iterations of Star Trek where you've had toys and you've had, you know, comic books telling different stories and you've had video games telling different stories. But where what we're talking about here more specifically is uh different forms of media used to tell a concurrent story um yes. the 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 example of it that i think of is uh the kino webisodes in uh, from Stargate Universe, where a lot of those were tied together to specific stories that were going on, where you could, get one, you could go to one and get information about one that you couldn't about the other. And one of the series that is really pioneering that now is Defiance, and that's on the Sci-Fi channel, and that's what we're going to talk about now, where it's specifically you know, putting out different forms of media that are running concurrently.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's got kind of a post-apocalyptic feel to it. Aliens in their uh, – they're in a convoy and their ships crash on Earth and uh, unfortunately cause a whole change to our ecosystem. And the television series, which has been picked up for a second year, takes place in St. Louis, which is ironic for, yeah. David, for you and I especially, yeah. David. <laughs> My since, old city. You know your old city and just a few hours away from where I've been living the last seventeen years. Uh and the uh game takes place in San Francisco. But um I've watched some of the game on YouTube. I have not downloaded and installed it yet. My plate's a little full at the moment, but I do want to play it. Uh they have characters crossing over, characters that we meet in the series that cross over into the game, characters in the game that come onto the series. Uh, They have uh, some of the battles that are being fought in the MMO, uh, which is available on Xbox and PlayStation, uh, and for the PC. Some of those games and the outcomes of those games are going to affect the second season, which I find fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, The downside of all this is that... Compartmentalized information. That's right, because the precursor I just gave describing what happened and why the world changed... It's not apparent in the se- if you watch just the television series. And that's
0: the thing. Where I asked you about a week ago, I said, you know, I've got a real issue with this. I've watched the first three or four episodes of the series, and I have no idea why they're there. Right. I had no clue. I'm like, did I, did I nap or something during the pilot? Because I don't understand. I mean, it's, I, I'm enjoying the characters and everything, but I, why? why? Why are these alien races here? That's not made clear.
1: No, and you know my response is basically go look it up on Wikipedia. There's a very wonderful detailed explanation for all of it, but it honestly it should be self-contained enough. I mean, what they could have done is that the main title could have made it clear what the story. Like a brief
0: story, yeah.
1: A brief story, and that could have been easily done. There are things they could have done, and they've just decided to bypass it. And part of that may be because they're so invested in the game as well. They're They're trying trying to to get you out there, but that only works for a certain slice of the population. I mean, my mom isn't going to play the game,
0: and it's not apparent that that information is there. I mean, at the end credits, you don't hear "Want to know why they're here? Play the game." Right? I mean, you don't get that
1: exactly. And I mean, I listen. I'm going to use my mom as a perfect example. My mom is a massive uh, science fiction fan, has watched all the Star Treks, all of the, uh, you know, all the Stargate. She's watched, you name it, science fiction. She's watched it. She's 79. She doesn't have an Xbox. She doesn't have a PlayStation. And she is not about to install this on her laptop. (laughs) Okay. It's just not going to happen. And uh, she started watching this at my uh, encouragement, and she's like, I don't understand. What's going on? And then she got upset. She was pissed. She was like, well, why can't they just say that?
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I mean, curious I- to know if it, was, uh, if it was a ball drop or if it was a um, strategic decision, because yeah. it doesn't feel like uh, the latter. In terms of providing enough information to get you really moving into the story. Because while I'm watching the story and everything else, I'm preoccupied with these thoughts and I'm missing the point of what's going on on screen.
1: Well, what's interesting is that it is certainly quite a pedigree of uh, writers and showrunners. This is the
0: true. Show, Rockne and O'Bannon show. from Starscape yeah, uh, and, and yeah. Sequest.
1: And Alienation. Alienation. And Alienation. There's definitely shades of Alienation in here. Uh, Michael Taylor from Star Trek: Deep Space Nine and Battlestar, and Battlestar Galactica, uh, then also Weddell and Thompson, also from mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine and uh, Battlestar Galactica, and I think Weddell and Thompson were on Terra Nova for a little bit. I may be mistaken. Um, but, it's a
0: big kitchen with a lot of cooks, which yeah. which is good and bad.
1: Yeah, but that's what killed Terra Nova yeah. to a large part. It just that the the plots just became stew and unwieldy. I, I, I cannot no one can argue that the pilot for defiance is terrible it's it, it is it's just a stew it's it's let's take this this cliche, let's take that trope let's throw in a little of this, throw in a little of that, this and that. you gotta just push through the pilot. Second yeah. episode gets a little better third episode gets a little better, fourth episode gets a little better. you know I mean you gotta you gotta give a series if you have any interest you really have to give a series at least six episodes. Before yeah
0: you... there are some shows that that i am sold on right off the bat and the one that i'm thinking of for better or worse for the series itself was the new v that was a 45 minute uh pilot that really i mean it had all the elements in it and i was hooked i was absolutely hooked i was i came back from comic con having seen it you know in the ballroom 20 with like before 8000 people right next to Um, The actors. I was in the the press box, salivating over that over that series. The show happened to go on and not really do that well. But I mean, there. But you know, I think, and I think we raised the point uh, previously. um, Not all pilots are necessarily meant for watching. They're really meant for selling.
1: Yep. But the other thing I will say too is that, like for instance, you mentioned V, and I did not like the original series at all. Yeah. But I watched the re- – I was interested in the remake purely because there was a character on there, the actor, that um, I I wanted Joel to Gretsch. see. With, uh, Joel Gretsch because I loved 4400 and he was one of the leads in 4400. So that interested me enough that I was willing to commit to watching the new series. It's the same thing with uh, Defiance. I mean Julia Benz, Buffy, uh, yeah. Angel –
0: yeah, Dexter, Dexter.
1: You know, I mean, and and one very positive thing I have to say about Defines that I'm excited about as a woman who's a fan of science fiction is that she, so far her storyline is one, is one of the ones that's got the most promise for change. I can already see in the first five episodes how she is having to grow and change. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited by that, that they've got this strong woman – character who's really a woman and not just like being you know kick-ass tough she's yeah. got soft and she's got issues and challenges and she's very real so um you know and i'm also a fan of michael taylor taylor excuse me the writer mm-hmm. He's a really really good writer there's something you have to look for when you pick a series that you're willing to commit a few hours to before you make a decision.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean a lot of people you know watch media for a lot of different reasons. they may not necessarily watch for, because of the pedigree from behind the scenes. I invite them to consider doing that in this situation and I'll give you an example um, Pacific Rim that's coming up uh, coming out this summer. Mm-hmm. You know, right. the, the trailer looks stunning. And because of that, to a large degree, you know, I looked the, the trailer for Battleship also looked good, really, as, as well. And that was a terrible, terrible film. Having said that, you know, yes, it looks cool. Will it necessarily be awful? I will say that um, I'm going to see it because of Guillermo del Toro, mm. because he has a strong pedigree for excellent films. I love Pan's Labyrinth. It is my favorite foreign film. Very interesting. Um, I am reaching outside of what I see on screen, you know, because I recognize that there is some really like Christopher Nolan. I'm going to watch any movie that he comes out with, you yeah. know, pretty much yeah. because yeah, he's yeah. so strong.
1: Yes, he is. I'm that way about Joss Whedon, Aaron exactly. Sorkin. Dan I you mean, might Dan as well Parman. try it
0: because you trust him.
1: Exactly. Uh, you trust them, and you know, Joss Whedon. Firefly is a great example. Okay. Firefly. I did not watch the show when it was on the air. Nor
0: did I. I fell into it yep. later.
1: Yep. Exactly. I got the DVDs, sat down. The pilot was eh. The second episode was eh. The third episode, I was like, okay, this is still eh, but it's Joss Whedon. I have to believe this turns around. Fourth episode, bam, it turned around. Yep. Bam. That's probably when the network backed off and let Whedon do what he wanted. Same thing happened on Dollhouse, except it took six episodes for the network to back off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you just have to you have to have some faith. You have to demonstrate your investment as far as just, you know, there's so much garbage on.
0: Oh, tell me about it.
1: There's so much garbage on and you have to give it time to find the right thing. But Defiance, going back to that. You know, we'll see how it settles down. I mean, it it has a lot of potential. There's a lot of fun transmedia elements that go beyond the game, though. There's also, uh, now that you have an iPad, you can do this.
0: Um, (laughs) Here we go. It starts.
1: Yeah, well, it's a really cool, it's free. It's an interactive iBook that uh, they have on Defiance that, yeah, you know, it promotes the series, but it's also got some interactive feature elements to it as well, uh, including... um, Augmented uh, augmented reality type stuff, you know, where you can put the camera o- uh, in the iPad over something and it will some new information will pop up. Mm. Go so, out your
0: you mean on this on the show on the screen?
1: That's what they're trying to do. But you know, Fox has been doing this for a while. Um, I think I'm trying to remember what other network also has this going on. HBO. Yeah, uh, has some wonderful uh, on their HBO Go program they have that whole interactive media thing where as you're watching Game of Thrones you can also have other elements come up uh, and they do, they can enrich the experience, what I like about for instance HBO Go is that I can shut off that experience when I just want to sit back and watch the freaking series and be left alone yep. and the storytellers have to keep that in mind and that's why you're right that they dropped the ball big time on defiance at the beginning. Hopefully they'll fix it.
0: You know, I just remembered and I think it I think it's worth bringing up at this point. Season 3 of Stargate SG1 when it was on Showtime around then, sci-fi and the producers were doing um uh, external uh content on websites that oh, really? related to the episode yep. as it had aired. So they were they were trying that back back then. So, Stargate has certainly been on the forefront of this in many respects for a very long time, and I'm eager to see where this goes next. I really am, because convergence isn't going away; it's only going to get worse. Um, and you know, I, as we try more things, things you know catch on. You know, the yeah. The, yeah. the the friggin' you know Palm Pilot never really took off, but now look at look at the interface that we've got thanks to Apple's design. Yep. you know and that so many other companies have have shamelessly knocked off.
1: It's kind of fun because sometimes you also get situations where um even if the franchise owners aren't doing anything transmedia with the the show, you have fans doing things with the show. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure our I, I am sure that some of our listeners are very familiar with the fan fiction that has happened for Stargate. Phantomonium uh, was an act of—it's called Phantomonium. The books, you know, they were an act of love. Um, on another show, Community, which is kind of sci-fi, com-edge comedy mm. type thing, it's very meta. Um, they uh, that the season three, one of the last episodes of season three, was had to do with an eight-bit video game that the was characters had awesome. to play. Yes, it's a lot of fun. And uh, a bunch of fans on Reddit got together, and they created this thing. You can go download it for free. It is one of the best escape games out there as far as just – if you just need to smile, you go play the game for five minutes. It really is an 8-bit game.
0: It is one of the more complicated ones. It was like those old um – they had eight-bit games out where I mean, you just you you named your a character for yourself and you just went out into this world and you explored all the all the people and all the things and you picked up items and everything else. They did an amazing job of replicating what it was on the screen and in some respects making it better for this game. It is so immersive, and you know it's so it's it's retro awesome.
1: Yes, it is retro awesome because they do little things not just about that episode but even other episodes. Like there's mm-hmm. a little bit with. Uh, there's a little bit with Britta at one point, and uh, the music plays. It's the it's from the musical from the second season, the Britta Bot song that Abed sings. <laughs> um, there is uh, if you talk to Hilda in the uh, village and you ask for answers, her answers actually refer back to different episodes in very funny ways. And uh, so, yes, it is, it's a lot of fun. And, of course, Game of Thrones is creating an MMO as, as well, but that's not a fan-driven thing. That's a professional thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven Kingdoms. Uh, yeah, I think what's going on here is not only just a uh, blurring of the lines of how stories told to us, but also because of the fans, a blurring of the line of who's telling the story. That could be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. I mean, I have I – ha- I do read fan fiction from time to time when I need a little escape. And I've read some – I've actually read some really good fan fiction. And I've actually read some really bad fan fiction. Well, you know, everyone
0: is feeding off of everyone else. And that's, that's yes. the case with all of – Art. I mean, it, it really is. That's that's just, you know, that's always going to be the way. It is. And I'm really, you know, blown away by a lot of the the uh, the entertainment that's that's out there right now. And I really, really hope that people, you know, in 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 Hollywood and in other areas of influence, take a look at Star Trek Into Darkness and it's this is it's this is early sunday on the opening weekend when we're recording it it's already made 164 million dollars uh 25 million more and it'll have made up its budget less advertising there is a need and a desire and a want for a space based television show to oh, come back on sing it. on the uh, on the air you look at these numbers the information is concrete and out there and, you know, maybe this will lead to them finally saying, okay, it's time to bring back Star Trek to the small screen. I want a space-paced TV show to come back. That's an awkward segue, but, I mean, I'm just – it's nothing out there right now that's that's set in space. We need that. We're not going to the stars anymore, it feels like, either, either actually or on television.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was just going to say that. I mean, in the thing that uh... – I was thinking about the other day is uh, the asteroid situation because that's where they're really trying to – the president is trying to direct NASA right now. And uh, as with an asteroid landing program to both mine and also change course on asteroid trajectories, is there enough material there for there to be some sort of series versus the two films we got a couple of years ago? I don't Mm. know. I don't know where it's going. I don't know where our imagination's going. I know that I anytime I bring up the space program, I have people argue with me that tax dollars need to be spent on other things that are more important, and I always question back, really, is there anything more important than keeping curiosity alive and keeping and keep asking what's over that next hill? It's a valid argument. So I mean I think we need that as much as we need everything else to sustain us. We have to. It's like my leaving to go to Houston. What's next? You you have to keep asking that, and as a society we need to keep asking that. And that that to me is really what science fiction is supposed to do, and that's what our space program is supposed to do. So yes, on both counts, it's uh, it's there. There's a sore lacking, a very painful sore lacking going on, and. Mm-hmm. Hopeful that at some point that the networks or uh, that somebody gets brave and we see it happen. Listen, you have the Wachowski siblings developing a new series for uh, Netflix. And uh, Netflix is doing incredibly well with these direct-to-series things. House of Cards was a huge success. And Hemlock Grove has done quite well. A lot of people are talking about that. The sci-fi series from the folks who brought us The Matrix. Who knows? It's
0: no, no. It, it's interesting that you bring up the Wachowskis because I was about to as well. You know, with have you seen Cloud Atlas?
1: No, I have not. It's on the list. I
0: the list. love Cloud Atlas. I mean, yep. the five minute trailer basically says all that the movie is about. It is bold and daring and kind of all over the place. And a lot of people didn't get it, and it didn't make any money. But I was thinking about this because I was thinking about you know when um, uh, Gene Roddenberry. And Herb Solo pitched, you know, Star Trek to NBC, and they didn't want they didn't want to do it. And you know, Lucille Ball didn't even know what it was about. She thought it was a, about a show in the South Seas. Oh, it's Star Trek. Well, it must be people. It must be fa- uh, stars going to visit, you know, uh, the military overseas. They went to a production meeting. And they said, you know what? This this is a project that's going to cost money, but is it, it is a if it fails, fi- we will have at least attempted something that was worth doing and that's really how i feel about cloud atlas as well and that's what i hope that that they continue to do and that other people you know hear from that example and say you know what this this is i'm not saying you just put out any old trash you know that you want to do because it's bold but if it's if you think that it is going to expand the envelope of entertainment and push the envelope man That's what I loved about that movie. That's what Star Trek was so successful about. That's a lot of what Stargate has done. And I think that um, just a lot of what we're seeing on TV with, you know, all these NCISs and everything else, it's, 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 it's adequate entertainment. But I think we can do better. I really think that we can do better. I think there is room for everything.
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, it's interesting. I will say to you, pretty much everybody I know who has seen Cloud Atlas has said exactly what you said that it is phenomenal and very worth seeing. Everybody loves it. So it didn't do well at the box office. It did not. No, it did not. And that would be a demonstration of maybe it's just that the folks that we know have more distinctive tastes. The one thing I have noticed is that cynicism is alive and well. And cynicism and space, you know, I mean, the only successful to me as a consumer of story example I can think of that worked on that level was Rondi Moore's pilot for virtuality because mm-hmm. it was about c- cynicism yet still reaching for the stars. Mm-hmm. So and Prometheus did not do that well at the box office. It did okay, but it didn't do that great. And that certainly had that level of cynicism in it. What is it going to take to get people to hope again? I don't know.
0: Yep. I loved Virtuality. I saw it on uh, I saw it on Hulu. It was it was sitting out there and I was like, "Oh, this is a new pilot. Oh, it's Ron Morrow, It's really good." And I watched the whole thing and I got to the end of it. And I'm like, "Okay, yeah." And I wiki it and I was like, "Oh, it was canceled." That sucked, man. That was a bummer.
1: Yeah, but you have to think about where the people are, the story consumers are in regards to coming up with something that's going to resonate with them. And I mean, listen, if I was to sit A group of college students down and play them 2001, they would be bored and they would groan. But when 2001 Space Odyssey came out, mind blowing. It was jaw dropping, mind blowing. It was unbelievable. And I just watched it again recently because my mom got me a Blu ray of it. And it's still just mesmerizing in its simplicity you know yes it's a little dated because it's like the first original star trek series is a little dated as far as the way the the sets are designed and stuff but it still is extraordinary
0: yeah i watched a few scenes from the wizard of oz the other day and it's i'm sorry it still holds up there's nothing yep. wrong with oh, it oh
1: my gosh yes oh you know? my gosh yes absolutely that's one of the things i'm hoping this summer to do is uh, since I'm going to move back into writing, I'm going to move back into reading a lot of novels that have come out versus reading a lot of teleplays and screenplays. And I'm hoping to look at what's next. What's mm-hmm. Where where are people's minds going now as far as telling uh, science fiction, especially space science fiction? Um, because I'm like you. I, I just... I want to know what's beyond Earth's atmosphere. And this, again, is why Stargate, you know, every now and then I still pop in a Stargate episode to watch. I can't resist myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's something about it that just keeps on pulling you back in. It's It's that sense of
1: wonder. Yep.
0: Well, that's all that we've got right now. Um, More updates will be coming shortly. Check out uh, the Stargate uh, game for. Uh, mobile devices. If you haven't already, if you've got one, uh, seriously recommend uh, downloading. What is it? Four ninety nine.
1: I think so. It's well yes. worth the price. A lot of fun. Yeah, um, it took so. me.
0: It took me about an hour and a half, two hours to when I really got going uh, to finish it. So it's, and that's just that's just the uh, that's just the start. If you want more Stargate, you have to let them know. Um, vocally and, um, and with your wallet.
1: Yeah, money speaks. Absolutely. It really does. I learned that a long time ago. Absolutely. Money speaks. Don't. It's just like the illegal downloads, guys. You're not telling them that you want more of something if you're not paying for something. Mm-hmm. So, yes, absolutely. Buy the game. And, you know, it's fun. It's like a new episode.
0: It really is. I was so cynical to begin with and boy was I wrong. It's it's a great piece of art.
1: Dude. Well, David, it's been a lot of fun. It
0: well, has been a pleasure. We should do this again.
1: Yes, we shall. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have a uh, a lot to do, so probably by uh, podcast 142, uh, you'll be in a completely different setting. We'll have a lot to talk about and uh, we'll see where it goes.
1: I'll be in Texas. Be in Texas.
0: Yes. That's miss me, me in my cowboy boots <laughs> from GateWorld. This is David. This is Diana. We'll be talking to you really soon with another installment of the GateWorld podcast. <laughs>